Hey, welcome to Crosswalk Church. Today, Pastor Jeff is bringing you a teaching, so head over to crosswalkphoenix.com and find today's message under the worship tab. There you can download the Crosswalk notes to follow along. And now, here's Pastor Jeff. So I want to ask you to uh, open up your Bibles to what was just read to us, actually is a direct reading from the Bible, and that's Acts chapter 2. And also, while you're doing that, grab your program and reach inside of it and pull out the crosswalk notes so you can follow along in the message. In fact, that Acts 2 passage, most of it, the, the last part of it, is printed for you in your crosswalk notes at the very beginning. I want to start this morning by, uh, by asking you to think of a number. Do you have a number in your mind? Is it 600 million? Apparently, last night, someone in Florida won $600 million. Life-changing kinds of dollars, I would think. And in fact, I felt it was important to do a little bit of research and, and sort of figure out what would it be like to win the lottery and all of a sudden have more than a half a billion dollars. If you wanted, you could take that half a billion dollars and lay it one dollar at a time around the entire circumference of the earth, not just once, but twice around the equator. If you wanted, you could create stepping stones to the moon with your dollar bills, and you can make it all the way to the moon and beyond with $600 billion. If you wanted, you could spend a dollar every second for the next 15 and a half years, and you'd still have cash in your account. I, I knew that living here in Levine, there would be one question that would be really important to people, and that is, how many Ford F-150 trucks could I buy? 22,000 or a few more with that kind of money. That's a lot of Ford F-150 trucks. If you're a sports fan... You could pay the combined salary of the Steelers, the Yankees, and the Lakers for more than one year. Think about that. If you're a music fan, you could hire Beyonce to come to your house and sing to you personally more than 22 times your own private Beyonce concerts. Life-changing. And... I know this morning there are a lot of people waking up and thinking, oh, I bought that ticket. I bought five tickets. I bought 10 tickets. I bought 30 tickets, and I still did not win the lottery. And here's what I'm here to tell you this morning. We're here to celebrate Pentecost. You won. You have won the best lottery that anyone could ever win. Total spiritual wealth that will enable you to do far more in God's terms than you could ever expect to do with $600 million. And that's what we want to talk about this morning. You saw the video that showed the story of the first Pentecost, but did you realize that's not the real first Pentecost? A lot of people think it is. They think of that story as that's what Pentecost is. That's how it started. But in reality, Pentecost started as an Old Testament Jewish festival. 
And it was held on the exact same day that our Christian Pentecost was held. In fact, the disciples were probably staying in Jerusalem as they waited for Jesus' promise to be fulfilled, that he would send them the Holy Spirit. They were going to celebrate, very likely, the Old Testament festivals as they had been doing. The festival of Pentecost, 50 days, that's what Pentecost means, or seven weeks, it was sometimes called the Feast of Weeks, following the beginning of the harvest, it was usually when all the barley harvest had been brought in, much of the wheat harvest was beginning to come in, and they would have a huge party. Imagine if you had a bumper crop of barley and wheat, and you'd worked hard, and now the days finally arrived, your silos are filling up, some of them are already stacked to the top and overflowing, and others are still coming in. What are you going to do? Well, You've won the lottery. You've got a great harvest. So you're going to celebrate. You're going to party a little bit. You're going to relax. You're going to have fun. And most of all, you're going to have a Thanksgiving day. You're going to say, thank you, God, for blessing me with this amazing harvest. That's what the original Pentecost was about. How fitting. How fitting that when the disciples were gathered there in Jerusalem, and it was the day of Pentecost, that all of a sudden, while they're in the room, as we just heard the story, flames of fire appeared over their head. And there was a sound of a loud rushing wind. Must have sounded a little bit like a locomotive passing through the wind, through, through the room. And that was always, those kinds of sights and sounds were always a sign of the presence and the power of God. In the Old Testament, they, they called that the kavod Adonai. That was the, the fire and the smoke and the wind. That was God is here. And now all of a sudden in this room, some scholars believe it was the very same room where they had gathered with Jesus before he was arrested and crucified. They're gathered, still probably a little bit afraid of what might happen, but waiting for the Holy Spirit that Jesus had told them to wait in Jerusalem for. And here, here he is. What does it look like nowadays when a follower of Christ is filled with the Holy Spirit? What does it look like when a church of Christ followers, a, a family of Christ followers together is filled with the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit? I believe that there are a lot of mistaken ideas about that. And this morning, I want to talk about what really a church and a Christ follower looks like who has been who has had the Holy Spirit poured out on him. And I'm going to do it on the basis of these words that we had read to us already. Because we have, all, going all the way back into the Old Testament, to the prophet Joel, we have God's promise that the Holy Spirit will, in these last days, be poured out on us. What should we expect that to be? And so, as we look at that, I want to start with a couple of passages from Hebrews chapter 3, verse 7, because I think this is what's really important. Having mistaken ideas about what it, what it might look like to have the Holy Spirit can actually be a path of sin that can lead, up, lead us off track and away from the Holy Spirit. Now, let me explain what I mean when I say a path of sin, what, what, what the Bible really means when it says sin. 
Sin is missing the mark. That's the biblical definition of the word sin, missing the mark. And most of the time when we think about sin, we think the natural process is for us to think about our actions. Boy, I really missed the mark when I did that. That wasn't God-pleasing. That was an unholy thing to do. I'm sure God didn't like it when I did that. Some of us, once we've learned a little bit more about God, we know that God wants our hearts. We learn that we can also have emotions and feelings that are missing the mark with God. But you know what's really important for us to understand? It's important for us to understand we need to back it up even one more step beyond that and realize that even our thoughts can be sinful. And that in fact, if we're doing sinful acts and if we're feeling sinful emotions, it's often the result of thinking sinful thoughts, of allowing the devil's lies to mislead us. And because we have false beliefs, now we have false thoughts and we're hanging our lives on that wrong thinking. And that is sin. And that's why I say, if we don't really understand the way it's supposed to look when the Holy Spirit comes into our hearts and minds and lives, when the Holy Spirit is poured out on a church like Crosswalk, then our thinking can miss the mark. And in that sinful way of thinking, we can make all kinds of mistakes that we don't want to make. And that's why in Hebrews, the author says, be careful when you're relating to the Holy Spirit, you, you don't want your heart to be hardened against the Holy Spirit. And there's all kinds of ways that can happen. I can give the Holy Spirit a stiff arm and say, God, I don't want you in my life. I absolutely do not need you. You're not coming into my heart. But I think far more often, our hearts are hardened because of the natural sin, we had, a, we had a baptism earlier today. We always talk about this in a baptism. Our hearts by nature want to wander off the mark. And, and often the sin that causes us to harden our hearts against the Spirit is just not really getting what God is telling us to expect about the Holy Spirit. Notice what it says, Hebrews chapter 3, 7. So as the Holy Spirit says today, if you hear his voice... Do not harden your hearts. That's the first thing that we don't want to have happen. We don't want to have rock hard, not soft, not live hearts. And understand that we're fighting a battle that goes back to conception because we're born with rock hard hearts. The Bible says that by nature we're separated from God. We're his enemies. Our hearts are automatically hardened against him at first. The Bible says that by nature we're enemies of God. And that's exactly why God sent Jesus Christ to bridge that gap. We spent a whole series talking about that recently so that we could be reconciled and back into a loving relationship with our, with our Heavenly Father. And God also sent us the Holy Spirit to soften our hearts so that we're capable of now not rejecting God from our hearts, but receiving God into our hearts. Ephesians 5.18 says one other thing that's important for us to hear before we dive in and see what it looks like to have the Holy Spirit poured out on us. It says, do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Do you hear that command? It is not, sometimes we get a little weirded out with this Holy Spirit language. 
Like, really? You know, what's, what's going to happen? Maybe some of you have seen that, that movie, The Apostle. And Robert Duvall in there is a preacher. And they're trying to portray that this, this guy, is um, he's got the spirit on him. And so the way he does that is he yells a lot. And that's how sometimes people think of being filled with the Holy Spirit. If that preacher is filled with the Holy Spirit, he yells a lot. And I know I do yell a lot, but that's not always the spirit. Some people think that a church that's filled with the Spirit is going to have people doing weird stuff. Well, what we do is weird. You know, love, sharing, kindness. In today's world, that's weird, but not the kind of weird stuff that a lot of people think, rolling in the aisles or all. That is not necessarily at all a sign of the Holy Spirit, which is why I think it's so important for us to to get this. And what this verse, do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery, instead be filled with the Spirit, is saying is, it's a good thing to be filled with the Holy Spirit, but be careful because we're constantly attracted to shiny objects. When our hearts are hard and when we want our hearts to feel at peace and we want to, to get some relaxation from all the stress in our life, there's that shiny bottle that would seem like it's just so easy to grab hold of that and and use a chemical to calm ourselves. And this isn't, by the way, the only shiny object. It's just one example of the shiny objects that we as people, because our hearts are by nature wanting to veer away from God, that we'll grab hold of in our search for true peace. And Paul is saying, if you really want to have true peace, put the shiny objects away. Whether it's a bottle or a needle or whatever it is, put it away and be filled with the Spirit because then you're going to be on the right path. That shiny object, that leads to debauchery. You know what debauchery is? It's, it's a fancy word. We, we don't use it anymore, but all it really means is it, it's a wild life that is so wild and so frazzled that you have no time for God in your life. Many of us in this church have been right there. Where, where we have just said, you know what? I'm, I'm going after this shiny object and that shiny object, and it's leading to just a, a wild life that seems fun and seems great at first, but then all of a sudden that wildlife begins to unravel and we're frazzled and there's no place for God. We can fight back against that. And that's the beauty of what God is promising us here. His promise leads to me knowing my true purpose in life. And that's the reason for the title. Let's flip the page over and let's get an idea of what understanding on this Pentecost, this day of the Holy Spirit, what it looks like to have the Holy Spirit come and rest on our church and and live in our hearts. So you'll notice that Galatians 5, 22 and 23 passage. I'm not going to have you do the fill-in yet. But look at that passage. But the the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. What 
what is the spirit going to produce in the person in which he lives? These are the things. And do you see that? See how that connects to a larger concept? And, and that larger concept I would call just steadiness. When you're leading that life of debauchery, just the wildlife with no, no time for God, you're up, you're down, you're left, you're right. You're flaky. You make promises that you don't keep. You do things that you don't even yourself intend to do, but you're dragged down by the shiny objects and impulses are all you know how to follow. There's no steadiness in your life. You want a great example of that? Go back, flip the page back to the first, your crosswalk notes. Amazed and perplexed, this crowd of thousands of people are starting to ask one another when they, when they see this event happening, the Holy Spirit, the flames of fire, the rushing wind, the, the, the apostles preaching in all kinds of different languages, they, they say, what does this mean? And, and some begin to obviously look for the natural explanation. They've had too much to drink. And then who stands up? Who stands up? And maybe you're not surprised at who stands up. Isn't this the guy who always stands up and blurts things out? Isn't this the guy who raises his hand and says, Jesus, I want to I come and walk with you on the water? This is the guy that wrote several books of the New Testament. Maybe we're not at first surprised at who stands up, but I want you to think about it for a moment. This is 50 days after Jesus' death And what had happened just 50 days earlier? Remember Peter then? Kind of shaky. Here's the guy who goes, Jesus, I'm I'm going with you even to death if I have to. The guy who pulls his sword out when Jesus is being arrested and cut off a servant's ear. Jesus has to miraculously heal that ear and undo the damage that Peter does in his impulsivity. And what happens at crunch time? With Peter, this guy, who's now standing up, talk about uneven. He shrinks back in pure cowardice. Do you know Jesus? Weren't you with him? No, not me. I have no clue who you're talking about. I have never seen the guy. And now we're 50 days later, and the Holy Spirit has been poured out on him, and his heart now has the Spirit, and that's evidenced by the fruit of the Spirit. And aren't these, going back to the second side, look at that Galatians 5 passage, aren't these the things that give us steadiness in life? Instead of thinking of ourselves, we love others. Instead of being dragged down by events, we're uplifted by God's blessings. Instead of constantly feeling agitated and anxious, we have peace. Forbearance simply means we have the Spirit living in us, and the people who are what we call here at Crosswalk EGR people, extra grace required. I'm one of them, by the way. I need your extra grace. We're able to do that. We're able to forbear and show that extra grace. Kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and most of all, self-control. Aren't those all the things that we need if we're going to become steady people, not flaky people? 
And that's exactly what the Holy Spirit gives us. In a spirit-filled church, the unsteady are steadied by the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. Do we see that here at Crosswalk? All the time. We see people who walk through our doors looking for something. They don't even know necessarily they're looking for Jesus. But they're coming in here, and I love to watch this. person comes in, and, and they hear about this guy, Jesus, and, and hear us say, walk with him, put your faith in him and in his promises. And gradually, slowly, day by day, you watch their very shaky life. I've been through it. You watch a shaky life, an unsteady life, gradually be steadied by the power of the Holy Spirit. When you see that happening, you know that the Holy Spirit is at work because that's his fruit. Love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Now there's another lie of Satan that we need to bring to the fore because it leads to a lot of sins of thought too, meaning people missing the mark in their thought processes. And that is, where do I find the Holy Spirit? I mean, if you're going to be filled with the Holy Spirit, you better know where he is to be found. And here's the mistaken lie. It's a self-centered lie. And, and you've heard me say before that the very essence of sin is that we start to focus on ourselves. And the way we do that in this realm of the Holy Spirit is we say, Holy Spirit, I want to meet you where I want to meet you. I'll tell you where to show up. And then you come and find me. I read a story in doing my research for this message about a gentleman. And I know he's very sincere. And I don't, I don't mean to make this sound bad, except for the fact that if, if that's what we think, we're going to miss the Holy Spirit. And I don't want you to miss the Holy Spirit because of a lie. The Holy Spirit has told us where to find him. And the story that I read was of a man, very sincerely, he wanted God, and he kneels down in his living room, and he says this, next to my couch, and I prayed, Holy Spirit, come into my heart, and I felt the Holy Spirit come into my heart. I know that sounds beautiful, it sounds lovely, but the Holy Spirit is not in your couch. Do you know where the Holy Spirit is? The Holy Spirit is here. This, this book itself says faith comes from hearing the message, and the message is heard through the word of Christ. This is where we meet the Holy Spirit, between these covers of the Bible. There is where we meet the Holy Spirit, right there, right there. The waters of baptism as, as the word is joined with the water. The Bible says it again and again. I, I will, through the waters of baptism, send you my spirit and forgiveness, the washing away of your sins. Where else do you find the Holy Spirit? Well, the, the, the Bible teaches, teaches that, and, and this is the reason so many of you are in the class system, 101, 201, is that through the Lord's Supper, when we receive the body and blood of Jesus Christ, our Savior, Along with the body and blood of Jesus Christ, our Savior, in communion, we receive 
the pouring out of the Holy Spirit through the word and through the sacraments. Here's why why it's so important. And, And it's because I know so many of us are sincerely desiring to have the Holy Spirit. Let me illustrate this for you the best way I know how. I love to grill. And I can go out to my grill this afternoon and I can light as many matches as I want. But if there is no LP gas bottle connected to my grill, guess what? You see, lighting matches is like saying prayers. But, but if, I, if I'm not connected to the thing that produces the flame, nothing's going to happen. And, and what I'm telling you is, that LP gas, it might, it might come in, in many different... Like, for example, our house was stubbed out with a direct gas line. I can get, if I wanted, I haven't done it yet, but there's a little pipe in my backyard. I could connect my grill directly. That's one way I could do it. The way I have it done is it's in a little bottle that I, I, I go down to Lowe's and I replace it. But the important thing is, i got to have the air that's inside that bottle. And whether it comes in this form or that form or the Lord's Supper, it's the spirit that matters. And here is where we find him. We don't find him under a couch cushion. And so I want you to know this because I want you to have the Holy Spirit poured out on you. And I want you to know exactly where to get connected with him. I want you to have love. Joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, self-control. I want your life to be steadied. But know that the Holy Spirit is not to be found like, hey, Holy Spirit, because I'm praying and I want you here now, get over here. That's not the way it works. The Holy Spirit says, I'm not hard to find. The word is near you, he says. He wants us to find him, and this is where we find him. Take a look at what it says in the, in the verse that I put in your crosswalk notes. The Lord is trustworthy in all he promises and faithful in all he does. You see, we have to go to the word and the promises of God to find the Holy Spirit. And when we do, do you see what that passage says? Let's do something. Let's read it together. Let's all read this Psalm 145, 13 together. Will you read it with me? The Lord is trustworthy in all he promises and faithful in all he does. We go to the word of God because those promises are reliable and powerful. They're imbued and invested with the Holy Spirit. And and we need his words and promises. And here's a beautiful next blessing that comes when, when we encounter the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit makes it really clear to us what our assignment is. So many people are, are walking through life, and I, I get emails, I get phone calls all the time. People saying, I don't know what direction God has for my life. I, I, even sometimes when I feel like I know what direction God has for my life, I don't feel like I've got the energy 
to, to take that step, to do, you know, to go where God wants me to go. I'm not sure I know what God's assignment for me is. And do you know how horrible that is? Let me tell you a story from college. One time in college, I worked for days on a paper. I, I researched and re-researched. I wrote and then rewrote and then edited and rewrote it again. I took it to a friend and said, look this over. I want, the, I, I want to nail this topic. And I worked, and after about five, six days of just working, working on that paper, I was so proud. I handed it in on a Friday. The prof took all our papers home over the weekend, came back to class on Monday, and I got my paper, and there was the writing, and I was, I was like, oh, this, that paper was a slam dunk. I worked so hard on it. And across the top in red ink was scrawled, Jeff, this is a, this is a great paper. Unfortunately, it was the wrong assignment. F. Ouch, huh? Great paper, wrong assignment. And I believe that spiritually, many people are doing just that. If you, for example, I'll just use one example. If you think this life is about you becoming a better and better and better person so that on the day of judgment, you can appear before God and, and, and feel confident Because you can say to God, God, I lived a good life. I tried hard, sincerely. I worked at being a good person. I may not get an A. I may not get an A+. I'm pretty sure I'm not going to get an A++. But God, I was a good person. Will you let me into heaven because I was such a good person? You know what God's going to say to people who think that way? You believed a lie. Your thought process was wrong. You should have repented. And do you know what repent means? And this is why why I say sins start with thoughts. Repent means, literally, it means rethink. Change your mind. And so many of us need to rethink and realize that the true assignment, and we, we have to know this, is not to be a good person, but to simply receive the gift of Jesus Christ's goodness, his perfection, his righteousness, to lean on him, to rest in him, to, to, to see those promises of the cross and the resurrection as reliable and powerful. That's the right assignment. And sometimes we find it so difficult just to to believe that that could possibly be the right assignment, but it is. And the Bible tells us again and again. Do you notice what it says in Acts chapter 2? Look at at what it says. Let's read down from verse 16. Peter's just said, now steadied and emboldened by the Holy Spirit, he stands up. They're not drunk as you suppose, meaning they're thinking along the wrong tracks. It's only nine in the morning. No, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. Where's he going? To find the Holy Spirit. To the words of the prophets. Just like we just said. And and, and now, filled with the Holy Spirit, he says, In the last days, God says, I will pour out my Spirit on all people. All of us. 
And what does he say is going to be a result of this? He says it twice. That's how important it is. Your sons and daughters will what? Will you circle that word? Prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. Now, understand what that means. It does not mean that we're going to receive fresh prophecy from God. And I can tell you why it doesn't mean that. All you need to do is look at Hebrews chapter 1. In Hebrews chapter 1, the very beginning, it says, in Old Testament times, God spoke to us through various prophets and in various ways and means. But in these last days, meaning right now, God speaks to us through one person, his son, Jesus Christ. If you don't believe me, just go to Hebrews chapter 1. That's what it says. So here's the job of a New Testament prophet. God is not going to give us new fresh prophecies. What he's going to do is say, go back to Jesus. Learn what he teaches. Get fully embedded and invested in his teachings. And then prophecy means Share Jesus and his words with others. Share the gospel. Share the good news. Share the cross. Share the resurrection. Because that's what it means to be a prophet. And what does it say? We're all prophets. That in these last days, right here, right now, God has poured out his Holy Spirit on all of you. And you are all to speak on his behalf. And tell people about Jesus. What did Jesus himself say in John chapter 8? If you want to be my disciples, if you really want to be my disciples, then you will listen to my teachings and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. It's knowing Jesus, knowing his teachings that brings the Holy Spirit into our hearts and minds and then through us allows us to become modern-day prophets to share those teachings of Jesus with others. And that's our assignment. That's our clear assignment, to simply put our faith and trust in Jesus and then to share Jesus with others. Notice what it says in 2 Corinthians 4, 5, and 7. For what we preach is not ourselves, but what we preach is Jesus Christ is Lord. And ourselves, we're mere servants for Jesus' sake. Read Acts 2 all the way through. This is exactly what Peter does. After he tells this prophecy of Joel, he starts just telling the people, it's all about Jesus. Do you know that you crucified the Lord of life, but he rose from the grave? He's doing exactly what Paul talks about here. We preach Jesus Christ as Lord and ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. But we have this treasure in jars of clay. You see, it's not about our strength. We're mere jars of clay. In fact, in some ways, the more cracks, the more God's glory is allowed to shine through. The more we're weak, the more his strength appears. We have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God And not from us. Now Peter, in pointing out this prophecy, says something that you might have scratched your head about. See what it says there in verse 19, 20? 
I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. What's Joel talking about there? And why does Peter quote that? Well, if our assignment is to trust Jesus and then because we trust Jesus and we know his love and forgiveness to become prophets, our assignment is to tell others about Jesus and we're, we're super clear, that's the mission. Then we need opportunities to do that. And, and at Crosswalk, we know that it is never easy to open up a conversation. I was just talking to somebody uh, on the patio between services about how hard it is to open up a conversation, particularly with someone you don't know. And one of the things that we've frequently taught here at Crosswalk is just start with your friends, your family members, the people that you work next to. And, and there are three things that you should just be observant for. The three T's we call them. Tension, transition, trouble. When you have a loving heart and you notice people that are in tension or transition or trouble, just because you love people, you're going to want to reach out and help them, right? That's just what we do as Christ followers. That's a fruit of the Spirit. But it's also an opportunity to go deeper than just to help on the surface to, to be a prophet and to talk about Jesus. Now, what does that have to do at all with what Joel is saying? Well, here's what I think it's really saying. Because Jesus says some very similar words in Matthew chapter 24 and Luke chapter 21. When he says, in the last days, I want you to know what to expect. There's going to be all kinds of stuff going down. There's going to be earthquakes, wars, and rumors of war. You're going to see signs in the skies and signs on the earth. And all of these are going to be a reminder that this world is coming to an end and I will return. In other words, God is giving us constant signs. And what do signs do? They point to a person or a destination. And constant wonders. And what do wonders accomplish? Well, they cause us to say, huh, I wonder. I wonder what's going on there. How'd that happen? And that's why it's called a wonder. And, and we can look at signs and wonders. When we hear about another horrible earthquake, not only can we rush in to help, which, of course, we love. That's one of the things we love to do at Crosswalk because we're a cause. If there's, if there's something we can do just to help people, we want to do that because we, we think maybe that'll give us eventually an opportunity to share Jesus with them. But if there's an earthquake or if there's a war, or, or if there's a horrible hurricane or a twister that touches down, and you're, you're talking to your coworker, and they're going, I just don't understand what's going on in our world today. You know what God is doing? Giving people a shove. Because we aren't going to be likely to change our minds if we're standing in the same position, just going through life, and we're in a, we're in a rut. The, the, being in a rut doesn't really allow us for change, for, for change. And so God will sometimes cause these signs and wonders to come along to give you a shove, to give your neighbors a shove so that you can have a dialogue and a conversation. And goes, I wonder why that happened. I wonder what that's pointing to. 
who that's pointing to. And you can say, you know what? I'm not, I don't have all the answers because none of us has all the answers. I have questions. We can say, I have questions just like you do. We don't always know what God's hidden purpose is. But we do know this, God's revealed purpose and God's revealed will is that all men come to a knowledge of the truth and hear about Jesus. And so signs and wonders, what Joel is really saying here is God is going to give us ample opportunities to be able to point to Jesus and help people with their questions when they're wondering. And, and do you see how, it, how even Peter, when he writes an epistle, says, be ready to do that. But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. Always be prepared to give an answer. And what's the answer always? I know Pastor Dan says it's growth groups. I say it's Jesus. What do you guys think? It's both. It's both. Because the growth groups point to Jesus. All right? Always be prepared to give an answer. So signs and wonders in a spirit-filled church are treated not as, oh, I I think God's letting everything fall to pieces and go to hell in a handbasket. They're opportunities because we see God nudging people and giving us an opportunity to talk to them in tension or transition, or trouble. Now, here's the last sign that a church is filled with the Holy Spirit. And you're going to find this one maybe a little counterintuitive. In a church filled with the Holy Spirit, it's not about the Holy Spirit. You know what I mean by that? One would normally expect that if your church is filled with the Holy Spirit, that there would be a lot of Holy Spirit talk going on. But the Bible tells us to expect a different kind of talk to be going on. The kind of talk that we see Peter do on the very day of Pentecost. He doesn't dwell a lot on the Holy Spirit. Instead, he dwells on Jesus. And I want you to look at what Jesus himself says. When the advocate comes, John chapter 15, meaning the Holy Spirit, that's who the advocate is. He's our advocate. When the advocate comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, that tells us it is the Holy Spirit, who goes out from the Father, he will testify about himself? No. He will testify about me, Jesus says. And then Jesus says, and you, and he could have said this, filled with the Spirit, must also testify. Right back to being clear about our assignment. This is the last point, you can fill this in. In a spirit-filled church, it's all about Jesus. It's all about Jesus. That's why if you go to one-on-one class, we spend a significant couple hours talking. Uh, just warn those of you who are thinking about it as guests in our church. We, we're going to talk a lot about Jesus. You go to 201 class, we talk a lot about Jesus. 301, 401, 501. Each Sunday on this stage, we talk about Jesus, whether it's Pastor Dan or me, it doesn't matter. We talk about Jesus because in a spirit-filled church, 
That's what it's all about. So do you see what a spirit-filled church looks like? What a really a spirit-filled individual looks like? Do you, do you see that God is steadying your life as you continue to walk with Jesus? Can you, can you sense that happening bit by bit by bit? Do you rely on the powerful promises of God for your everyday life? And do you see this book as the place where the Holy Spirit will be found? Do you see baptism as a place to bring your children because that's where the Holy Spirit will be poured out on him? Do you see the need and feel the impulse to go to 101 and 201 so that you can receive the Lord's Supper because that's where the Spirit is found? in God's reliable and powerful promises? Do you accurately know your assignment? Not not to work to be a good person, but to simply trust in Jesus as your Lord and Savior and prophesy. Tell others about him. When you hear about all these things on the news, the signs and the wonders, do you think to yourself, bing, opportunity knocks. I'm going to find someone who's tense about that, who's troubled, someone who maybe had to move. They, had, they entirely had to move out of New Orleans when that hurricane hit. And I'm going to talk to them because tension, transition, and trouble are wonderful opportunities. And do you know that in your own life, There's just one simple thing. It's all about Jesus. Just walk with him. Experience his grace, mercy, his power. That's what the Holy Spirit poured out on you is going to look like. And that's why I say, do you know that you've won the lottery? You have. You have. You have have been given immense spiritually Spiritual wealth from God through the power of the Holy Spirit poured out on you. And you know what they always say about winning the lottery, don't you? If you win the lottery, it's going to wreck your life. Right? And guess what? That's exactly what happened to me. When the Holy Spirit came into my heart through the teaching of God's words and promises, it wrecked my life. It wrecked my life. And I'll guess that you're following Jesus by the power of the Holy Spirit has wrecked your life too, and I hope it has. I hope that old way of life that you used to live, that is a total wreck. And that God is doing a new thing in your hands and feet, in your heart and mind. And that because that old way of life is now wrecked by Jesus... A whole new way of life, a redeemed way of life is coming about that is so much better. You've won. You hit the jackpot. It's Pentecost. Let's pray. Dear Father in heaven, thank you for this amazing harvest that you have brought us on this day. A harvest of the Holy Spirit's presence and power. And Father, I pray that every person in this room would hear your words and promises, plug in to the Bible and baptism and the Lord's Supper and be 
be filled with your spirit. Lord, I pray because I know there are a lot of the people in this church are still on a journey. There are some people just beginning this journey. Pray that they will experience how wonderful the fruit of the Spirit is. Experience love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Lord, I, I most of all pray that they will experience Jesus and his forgiveness and grace and mercy. And in walking with Jesus, will continue to have their lives steadied and will be point on with the assignment that you've given all of us to just rest in Jesus and be his prophets and share him with others. Lord, it's all about your son Jesus. And we are so grateful that you have sent him to be in our lives and called us to be in his. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So, before we close, if you would like more information about Crosswalk or to listen to other messages, just go online to crosswalkphoenix.com or come and see us. Services are held at 9 and 11 a.m. at Cesar Chavez High School at 41st Avenue Baseline. Visit our website for directions. And now, back to some closing thoughts from Pastor Jeff. Get rid of the lie that you are poor. You're not. You are immensely wealthy. You've hit it big. And I want to say with Pastor Dan, it is absolutely all about growth groups. Because all Pastor Dan is telling us to do is open the valve wide. Get into a group. Study the word of God. Take this Bible and open it on a daily basis. Bring your children to be baptized. Open the valve wide so that the Holy Spirit can be poured out into your life. Let me send you home with the Lord's blessing. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord look on you with his favor and give you his peace. Amen. Have a great week in the Lord. We'll see you back here next week.